Happy Easter, Church. Guys, it, it is Easter, and I am so excited, whether this is your first time here or you've been here, you've been here for a few years, um, I'm glad that you decided to use this for your Easter evening. Now, I want to get right into it in Luke chapter 24. Is that Fabi? No. Let's see if she's going to make a sprint for it. Okay. All right. Um, we're in Luke chapter 24, but before you open your Bible there, we did this last two weeks, and I'm going to ask you to do the same now. Before you open up your Bible, what I would love for you to do is I'd love for everyone here to just close your eyes, except for me, because I'm going to read it. And, uh, um, and I, what I want you to do is just spend a few moments imagining these moments. For many of you, this is a familiar passage, but I want you to imagine this moment with me. Luke 24. So the, the event that has been happening is that the, the women are, um, who were closest to Jesus, including Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene and some others, all came to the tomb. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their face to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. You guys can go and open up your eyes. He is risen. Now, there's a, a tradition uh, in the history of the church. It's known as the, like the official name would be the Pascal greeting. Uh, maybe you grew up in a faith tradition that did this, where on Easter Sunday, a pastor or somebody might say to you, he is risen. And then um, maybe some of you know this. Let's, let's try it out. And the response would be, he is risen. There it is. There it is. He is risen indeed. Uh, I did some research to the origins. Uh, it, it dates back at least about 400 AD, um, perhaps even earlier. The most early retelling in church, um, in church tradition is that Mary Magdalene actually stood in front of em, um, Emperor Tiberius. And when she was preparing the gospel, she handed him a red egg and then said, Christ is risen. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. It's church, it's church history, uh, church tradition. But in that moment, that was uh, kind of a normal greeting in the Greek world whenever you're paying honor to somebody on a special day, uh, on like a New Year's or a birthday, especially somebody who, who you recognize and want to seek honor to. So in that moment, according to church tradition, she wanted to honor Emperor Tiberius with this red egg per tradition and honor him while declaring that the real Lord of everything has risen. I think that's a really cool story. And obviously that's kind of where the whole Easter egg thing comes from. Now, what that means is that I would love for us to be a little bit participatory tonight. All right. So whenever I say throughout the time that I am on stage, when I say he is risen, you guys will all say, he is risen indeed. cool, let's do it. All right. All right. Let's go for it. Because guys, he is risen. That's what I'm talking about. Do you see the gravity of that moment? The gravity of that reality? Jesus is alive and well. And this isn't about empty religiosity and it's not about just something that happened in the past. This is about the defining moment of the history of existence. 
So there's that question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? What a question, right? See, the one who appeared conquered is no longer lying in a tomb. Guys, that just doesn't happen, right? Now tonight, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday that nearly 2,000 years ago, the tomb was empty. And the world has never been the same. Now, during this Easter series, which included last Sunday, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, a couple days ago, tonight, we have been doing, we've been trying to experience this in a way that would evoke our, both our minds and our hearts in new ways, our creativity and our desires, our emotions. And to do this, we have been desiring to sit in the midst of these passages, to really experience the moment and the gravity. It reminds me of, have any of you ever put on a pair of virtual reality goggles? They don't work very well with glasses, um, I figured out. But one time I put on a set of, of virtual reality goggles and it was a Jurassic World like simulation where there were velociraptors around me. It was so cool. I, I, as a kid, geeked out over dinosaurs, loved Jurassic Park, probably too young of an age to really understand it. But, uh, and so now I put on this headset and all of a sudden, I'm immersed into the story in a different way. I'm able to engage with the story in a different way. And that's kind of our desire with this series, that we would be able to experience and to be immersed in the story, to stand with Jesus in this moment. Now, regardless of where you currently stand with Jesus, my hope is that whether you would say that you love, follow him, have surrendered your life to him in every way, or you're somebody, you have a lot of questions about this whole Jesus guy wherever you land, that tonight that you would be able to experience the power of the scriptures, the beauty of the gospel, and the majesty of the one that we believe rose from the grave. And if you don't know him, our desire would be that you would be open to engaging with, with that, with the questions that you would ask questions and that you would seek and discover because we believe that that tomb really is empty. Now, to do this, we felt compelled from a passage in the book of Philippians where it says that Jesus has been given the name that is above every name and that, that there will be a cataclysmic moment at the point of history when every knee would bow, those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth. And that in one moment, every knee would bow. I mean, can you imagine that? When death is no more, when justice is won, when what has been broken has been restored, when the conquered king is recognized for who he truly is by all of creation. That gets me excited. How about you? It's going to be incredible. So as we are creatively reflecting on the, this passage from the book of Luke tonight, our hope was to evoke this by going into the these different perspectives coming from the view of the angelic messengers representing heaven, humanity representing earth, and the Satan and our spiritual enemy representing the under the earth category. And by doing so, our hope is that we would ask the question, how would they have witnessed these events? And how does that reality play into my understanding of this passage? So I'm going to go ahead and reread this passage again. Luke 24, feel free to open up your Bibles. We're going to start in verse one, going through seven to start. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, while they were perplexed about this, could you imagine? 
Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Like the, the biggest, I told you so ever kind of, right? Like he said it and now he's doing it. Like, shouldn't you just kind of expected that from him? But how could you ever expect the dead to now once again be among the living, right? So let's imagine this from these three perspectives. First, from under the earth, from hell's perspective. I mean, how silly must have Satan and his crew felt at this moment? We, did, we, we talked about this with Good Friday, right? Like the level of arrogance that Satan had in that moment. But now, how foolish he would have felt. Now, I was wondering this week if, I wonder if, if they had like stationed a demon or two around the empty tomb, around the tomb to kind of like keep guard or whatever. Or if it was, if Satan was so arrogant and so full of, so sure of himself that he was like, I don't even need to waste anybody over there. I mean, Jesus isn't moving. He's dead. It's kind of like, it's, if it's at the end of a series of movies, why would you stick around to the very end of the last movie to see if there's an end credit scene, right? Like you already know, no end credit scene there. The story's over. See, did they find out when they arrived on the scene, this moment when the angelic messengers were talking to the women? What did they discover? Now, we don't know exactly what, what they knew in that moment. But what we do know is long ago in Genesis chapter three, there was a prophecy that the serpent would strike the heel of the child of Eve, but the child would crush the head of the serpent. See that, that humiliating moment for Jesus on Good Friday, all of that was just the nip at the heel. See, it just set the stage for the destruction of the serpent's power on Resurrection Sunday. See, death was Satan's ultimate weapon, encouraging the separation between fallen man and a holy God. But now what was broken has been repaired. What was torn apart by pride and sin has been undone. Could you imagine him scrambling for backup weapons? He's like, oh no, death was like the, my best shot at all of this. But Jesus just undid death. Well, we don't really have to imagine it because we know what his backup weapons have been and he's been using them on us for the last 2,000 years. Attempting to convince adopted sons and daughters of the father with a bunch of half-truths. Telling us that we are unlovable, irredeemable, unworthy, damaged goods. Now, there's a measure of truth to all of that before we come to know and follow Jesus. But at the moment that we become his and he becomes ours, our labels change. Jesus has labeled all of those things untrue and now has sealed us with a forever label with the promise of the Holy Spirit that we would know that we are loved and that that will not change. See, the Satan works in the shadows to divide, to sow distrust, encourage pride and arrogance, telling us that we are better off on our own, telling us that life is better when we live it on our own terms. But even he knows that his backup weapons are just band-aid solutions to his own demise. See, they have been thwarted and the king is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. 
There it is. You guys are keeping up. (laughs) Now, let's turn our attention to heaven's perspective. Talked about this last week, how angels have literally been craning their neck to find out what's going to happen. Perplexed. Okay, we know that the story ends with our king winning, but how? So I was thinking about that this week, um, especially in light of something that's super exciting for me over at Walt Disney World at Epcot. There's the uh, Gardens of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Uh, guys, I'm so excited. It's got your Marvel. It's got good, good classic oldies from the 70s and 80s. Um, and then it's a thrilling roller coaster. It is right up my alley. All right. Now, for those of you who are cast members in the room, uh, we, I mean, there are always new attractions and shows and things coming to Walt Disney World, right? Now, how often do friends, family, and guests come up to you expecting you to know everything an Imagineer would know about whatever that thing is, right? Like, like yeah, you were in on the planning meeting, obviously. So you tell me, what, what is going to happen on that? Like, if I knew, I couldn't tell you. Um, and I, I'm like 10 pay grades below knowing anything about that. But instead, because of our proximity to all this wonder, because we get to kind of drive by Tron, right? By Magic Kingdom. And we're like, oh yeah, it's a little bit more built than it was before. (laughs) Because of our proximity, it builds a level of excitement for us, right? We like start craning around, like we're excited about it. I don't know about you. I am. I'm excited for every new thing that happens around here. See, this is kind of craning our necks, excited. What's going to happen? And our proximity to it only makes us more excited for it. See, this is the view of the angels, the excitement of the messengers that can't believe that the moment is finally here. It's happening. 30 years ago, they led an orchestra in the heavens to a bunch of shepherds, letting them know that the conquering king had arrived, but he arrived as an infant. Now, two of them have been the privilege to announce, to be the first created beings in all of existence to announce the fullness of the gospel that the tomb is empty. Isn't that incredible? And now they know and they can share. He is risen. risen Amen. He is. Can you believe this news? Now let's go to humanity's perspective, our perspective on the earth perspective, verse eight through 10. And they remembered his words. Oh yeah, he did say those things. So returning from the tomb, the women told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it lists us who it was. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who with them, who told these things to the apostles. The tomb was empty. The good news is now beginning to spread. So it starts with the angels, right? And where does it go next? To Mary and all these other women. And then these faithful women soon tell the rest of the disciples and soon it begins to make its way into this room tonight. Without that moment, we don't hear this. Without those angels telling those women, telling those disciples, telling, 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 crossing oceans, spanning gaps, crossing cultural divides, the gospel has continued to move that Jesus is alive. See, good news is meant to be shared, right? 
We, we know this. We've talked about this in a number of different ways. I, when I was thinking about this, though, I imagined like a cartoon character whose cheeks begin to like puff up because they have something to share and they're trying to hold it inside. So their just cheeks begin to swell until it just explodes out of their mouth. See, this good news is meant to go viral and not because you're a Christian now, so you should do blank. It's because when you have experienced and you feel and you begin to desire truly good news at the core of your being, it gets loud. And guys, I'll be the first to admit that is not my posture. That is not my desires far too often. But it gets moving. The good news gets moving. The good news is alive and well. It can be shared in so many ways. It's shared in the scriptures in so many ways. That the Lamb of God has come to take away the sins of the world. That the King has come. I like how simple Jesus marked it. He said the gospel is this. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I like the way Paul writes it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he offered up for us, for the redemption of creation, his only son. See, the snake crusher has returned and death has lost its sting. This is good news. See, it's news that's meant to be believed. It's news meant to transform our hearts and our minds. It's news that speaks to our brokenness and God's goodness. It's news that's meant to resurrect our dead souls and bring them back to life. It's news that's meant to change the world. And it's news that's meant to be cared and shared. He is risen. So tonight, tonight we want to invite all of us the opportunity to take that context and move beyond that to a creative and artistic expression of these three perspectives up close and personal. We did the same thing with Good Friday a couple of nights ago, that our hearts and our minds would be evoked and challenged by three dramatic monologues representing each of those three perspectives, heaven, earth, under the earth. Now, these three perspectives will all one day bow before the king. But even in that moment, even in this moment, we still see moments differently, even the same moments quite differently. So specifically, we want to do this by imagining this through the perspective of heaven, through an angelic messenger, earth's perspective, the voice of Mary Magdalene, and Satan representing the voice of those under the earth. Now, on Good Friday, we got a representation of Jesus that was cocky and arrogant. He was so self-confident. Who did I just say? Jesus. Don't want to do that. Satan, thank you. Oh, man. You guys all like, what kind of church is this? Some of y'all never coming back. All right. Let's go with that. All right. So Satan, Satan was so cocky, so arrogant. And so tonight we get to hear now creatively his next step. Now with that in mind, uh, if, this, if, 
a portrayal of Satan is something that might be a little off-putting for you for any reason, totally understand. He's going to be the first one up. And feel free to um, maybe head out and go use the restroom, but come back for the next two. But in reality, all three of them come together to a story that really ultimately brings us to the point where we see Jesus as our conquering king. So with that, I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and then we're going to continue on into our gathering tonight. Father, I thank you for Jesus, for what he has done and what he has meant to the world. That through him, we have life, light, and freedom. That through him, we have goodness. That through him, there is hope. So Lord, tonight, I pray that this would not just be a truth that we would intellectually assent to, but that would be a truth that penetrates the depths of our desires. Lord, would you evoke our hearts and our minds tonight? Yes, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's imagine together. body was my utmost delight. I reveled at their mockery and abuse of him. I lauded the piercing 
of his side. The one that hung between two thieves has now stolen from me. He has cheated death. How? How? It was finished. I held the keys to creation's condemnation, but he tore them from my grasp. He ripped the gates of Hades off its hinges and set my captives free. This isn't over. This isn't over. I will not go quietly. I will bite though I am bound. I will reap a harvest of spite until the end. The end. It's coming. I feel it rising with this morning's light. Light like I've never seen before. It sears my eyes and renders me unsteady. And I hear that disgusting melody of heaven drifting across the earth. I hate it.
behold the resurrected King. Behold the resurrected King. The earth cried out for blood and, and, and he provided the sacrifice. Justice required ransom and, and he put on flesh to play from his own side. And with every tear of his skin, the stripes laid bare God's plan for redemption. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. One was sacrificed for all, laid in a borrowed grave for three days. But listen now. Hear the sound of the tombstone rolled away. It's the song of death slain, the refrain of resurrection. God is with us and of his kingdom, there will be no end. He is the Messiah, the son of the living God. He is God and he has risen. I remember the day we announced his death, his birth. <laughs> we sang to the shepherds of the glory of God wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now we get to declare to the grieved the wondrous mystery of a crucified king not to be found in a grave. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Look, here they come, looking for the living among the dead. Woman, why are you weeping?
three days. I can't believe it's been three days since, since everything we knew fell to pieces. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Everyone is in hiding, but somebody, someone has to prepare his body for burial. I keep seeing it in my mind. And I feel the weight of sorrow heavy on my chest. He was so bruised, so bloodied, almost unrecognizable by the end not shown an ounce of mercy. How could so much suffering be borne by one man, an innocent man, our teacher? Was he not the Messiah? And he's been lying there for three days. They said guards were stationed in front of it to make sure no one tried to steal him unbearable thought. I hope they let me through. I don't know how to get through this. He cared faithfully for us. I have to do this. The stone it's rolled away. What have they done? Where are the guards? His body has been stolen. Hasn't he endured enough brutality and humiliation in life? Does it have to extend into his death? I brought spices to anoint him for burial and even this, this small dignity has been taken from him. and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hand. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? See, my beloved, your king comes to you alive and victorious. I am he. I am the resurrection and the life. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Passover Lamb. I am the High Priest and the Good Shepherd. I am the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I am the Rock. I am the Door. I am the Great I Am. I am the fountain of living water, the bread of life. I am the Son of God and the Son of Man. I am the light of the world, the Word made flesh. I am the healer, the redeemer, the deliverer. I am the righteous one, the risen one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am faithful. I am gracious and merciful, and I am abounding in steadfast love. I am compassionate and kind. I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and always good. I came for you. I died for you. I rose again for you, and I am seated on a throne of glory, and I am coming back for you, my people. For I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am Jesus, the Christ, and at my name every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that I am Lord to the glory of God the Father.
It's not just a moral story that like, there's a few takeaways that might be applicable to your life. It is a transformative story that your hearts were created for. Now, in any room, especially on an Easter Sunday, there, there's so many reasons why each one of us might've been here. Some to come and visit friends, some uh, it's because this is your home church, some because you're looking for a new church, some because uh, it's like checking off a list on a thing to do. See, for each and every one of us, no matter what reason you might say is the reason you're here, we have an opportunity. And the opportunity is this, is to answer the question, how will I respond? What is God calling me to do in response to this? Because you can go through this and it's like, wow, that was powerful. And then tomorrow, life moves on just as normal. You can just check the box and then you leave. Or for each and every one of us, we have the opportunity to go and, and inquire the Spirit of God to reveal to us what that means, what that looks like for you and for me. For some of you, for some of you, it is to begin to step into biblical community, to start to engage with other brothers and sisters in the faith. Because that's something that's been long missing. For some of you, it is to surrender something that you're holding on to. There's something that you're holding on to that you haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. For some of you, you are here tonight and you still don't know about this whole Jesus guy. Some of the stuff was kind of cool or um, it felt emotional for you. 
And if that's you, if you are in this space, if you're asking questions or, or you are seeing your desperate need for Jesus tonight, I want you to know that we want to be a safe community for you to ask those questions, to explore. And so at the end of our gathering, we're going to have some um, elders and deacons and some other volunteers who are going to be up here and they would love to talk with you, ask questions, pray with you, answer any questions that, that you might have. So just know that that is an opportunity that exists for you. What I'd encourage you with, though, is, is don't leave. Don't put your head on the pillow tonight without knowing how you are called to respond. What God is meaning for you tonight. Because tomorrow, Monday hits. And Monday is crazy. But tonight, tonight we have a holy moment. Tonight we have an opportunity. So whatever that is for you, press in journey with some of our volunteers. If you're looking to get connected, we have our blue shirts, individuals wearing name tags tonight, and they would love to point to you how you can help get connected into this community, answering any questions you might have. But know that this is all matters, not for empty religiosity, but for one truth and one truth only. And that is that he is risen. Let us never stop standing in awe of that truth. To close out the evening, I just simply want to proclaim a simple blessing over all of you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Receive that blessing and seek the Spirit of God is doing in your heart and in your mind tonight. Y'all, go and have a great rest of your Easter because He is risen.